Welcome to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. This is Tanya Anderson, and with me, as always, is Brandon Anderson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we have the same last name now. Isn't that crazy? Weird. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, it's a great question. Well, at some point in the last, like, almost two years since we did this podcast, we went and got married. Yeah. You know, those who podcast together stay together or something. Yeah. I, I think that's a very crucial part to podcasting, quite honestly. For sure. It's it's very tied to this podcast success. Yes. And and the Tar Heels brought us together. So it, it's only fitting that we we return the favor by talking about them in a very irreverent way. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it has been nearly two years since we've done this. We've gone through several phases of a pandemic since then. We got married and we went and got another co-host. Yeah. So things are really different for the What Incarnation podcast now. They're extremely different. Um, we probably should introduce them. We should. So um, you may not know this man by name, but you almost certainly know his Twitter handle. He is the brain behind the Tar Heel Nation Twitter. Uh, he is Julius Emanuel. Hi, Julius. Hey, guys. How is it going? Very well. Uh, I am happy that you guys reached out or I reached out to you. I'm not really sure how we came to this, but very excited to be joining uh, the What in Tarnation podcast as a co-host and uh, looking forward to some great things. Julius has grown his Twitter account to over 27,000 followers um, and has really become a mainstay in the Tar Heel Twitterverse, if, if that is a thing. Um, Julius, how did you become a Tar Heel fan? Well, I think there wasn't one definitive moment. Uh, I grew up in uh, Southern North Carolina, you know, on a farm. Uh, and mostly we were a house divided, you know, um, a few people, unfortunate souls were Duke fans, but, uh, my dad was a, a Carolina fan. So he, you know, he would always watch games. Uh, and that's pretty much how. Uh, I latched onto them. I knew it couldn't be state. It couldn't be Duke. It had to be Carolina. So you picked correctly uh, against all odds, maybe, but I would say it's a good choice. Um, How unexpected is it that you grew a Twitter account to as big as it is? And and how did you decide to start that up in the first place? So it was very unexpected. Um, and the story behind when I first started it was um, was because I think it was during the 2013 um, ACC baseball tournament. And I was on Twitter and uh, I kind of wanted to talk with other Tar Heels. But, you know, at the time, I really didn't see any Tar Heel Nation accounts. I didn't really see much going on in the UNC Twitter space either. So I said, hey, let me just create it. Uh, and see, you know, what happens. And um, shortly after creating it, I kind of linked up with uh, a couple of other accounts. There were core accounts, um, like Hills Athletics, um, Carolina Fan Page, some of those. And we actually band together to create another account that was called Hall of Fame Sports that was very short-lived. 
I think I saw, I think I see a tweet uh, every now and then coming from you, but um, I, I kind of dropped out of that and focused on uh, the Tar Hill Nation um, account and kind of went from there. But yeah, I still did not expect it to grow as big as it's gotten uh, today. What do you think the funniest story that you have from running an account that reaches that many people is there ha- there has to be just like a long line of crazy things that have happened well so it, it may not be relatively uh funny but it is weird seeing some of the dms uh uh wake up to you know they'll uh, call me coach some others think that i'm uh, an official account you know you'll have actual uh, blue check marks in my dms asking stuff and uh it's pretty interesting the Probably one of the most things that I'm proud of was during we went through a period where we were having uh, kind of a war with the News and Observer uh, on Twitter. So that was probably <laughs> my, my I think that's when I kind of gained a, a little bit of my notoriety there. But that was that's probably the, my proudest moments as a Twitter fan manager. That that's an excellent way to get your name out there because that was a whole timeline on unc twitter it was um that that'll definitely get your name out there <laughs> yeah and i did some other things too like uh, um you know I, i've memed and tweeted my way uh, here but i got pretty you know pretty lucky um but i feel pretty fortunate too that uh people have followed and you know seem to be inter- still interested in uh, what i have to say what nine years later so you got to be careful if they think you're coach though, because you can you take a lot of unnecessary heat for others' decisions. So <laughs> got to make sure that the confusion gets clarified along the way. How dare you not use a timeout? <laughs> no, he's a football coach, remember? Oh, right, right, right. So it would be like, why didn't you run it on yeah, this insert down here? He's calling the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are very excited to have Julius, and we think that he is a great voice in the Tar Heel Twitter space, and we try to be something similar, although not as good at it as he is, Uh, but we think he'll bring a really good voice to our podcast and um, give us some good insight that we, you know, on the married couple side might not have thought about, so... (laughs) Uh, we're we're really excited when our brains are now molded they're together. They're too synced, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You need the other opinion, right? That isn't just like saying what you're thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So speaking of UNC, the Tar Heels got an important win against Louisville on Monday. It was a pretty quick turnaround from their also important win at Virginia Tech on Saturday. The win at Virginia Tech gave them their current only quad one win of the season to this point because Michigan has kind of uh, run into some issues. Um, And the Louisville game was really close, but the game they played on the road against the Cardinals was also close. So we probably should have expected this. Um, So in the game against Louisville, Brady Manick had a really standout performance with 17 points, but Caleb Love and RJ Davis each had 16 as well. It was another game in which the starters were relied on for pretty much all of the scoring. 
Brandon, I will start with you. What do you think you saw in that game that gives you hope that, I mean, from here on, everything's pretty much must win, but what do you think you saw in that game that gives you hope that Carolina can actually accomplish that? I think what gives me the most hope is I feel like things are stabilizing a bit on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I especially like what I saw from RJ Davis during this one, he was getting into passing lanes and forcing some turnovers. He had about three steals during this one. Um, I could have sworn it was four, but apparently it's three. Um, but at any rate, it led to six points, and he's just been really getting after it. And I feel like on the other side of him, Caleb Love has been doing pretty well himself. Um, and then you mentioned Brady Manick. I think he's been an important part of all of this as well, especially considering the fact that Armando Baycott has had some – up and down performances during games. Sometimes he'll go off for one half and then the next half, not so much, or he'll start off not doing as much the first half and then the second half, not so much. Did I get that mixed up? I might've gotten that mixed up at any rate. He's been a bit up and down. So I feel like those are definitely things that have given me some hope kind of moving forward. Julius, did anything stand out in this game to you? Um, do you think that Brady Manick can sort of carry the has do you think that Brady Manick has what it takes to sort of carry this team uh the rest of the way? Yeah, I actually you know think he does. Um and and, and not just from the Louisville game, you know he's he is our spark plug. I I mentioned uh, previously that I thought that that was Puff Johnson, but you actually have to play to be a spark, right? Um, at least on the court. So, um, but no, uh, Manic's ability to, I know that he's been taken uh, a little bit on the defensive side, but uh, I, he is uh, invaluable on the offensive side, right? Many times when uh, Caleb or RJ are not on their stuff, he's literally the only one outside of that little stretch that RJ went on, or um, I'm sorry, that uh, Leaky Black went on with his uh, offensive output. Manning's been our only consistent, you know, shooter. And if Manning's down, we're really down overall, right? So. I do worry a little bit about Manning's minutes. I know that at times he's looked extremely gassed and it's understandable. Um, he played 33 minutes in this one, and that seems lower than what he has been asked to do recently. Um, but all of the starters, I think, are just being asked to carry a very heavy load with the bench being as short as it is. And that does concern me a bit when it comes to having to play like an ACC tournament schedule where there's just no rest. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where I've just seen him dragging on the court and it's understandable because honestly, I don't know that he came to campus thinking that he was going to play quite as many minutes as he has. Um, some of that is due to Gar Dawson Garcia being out. And I think even before Dawson went out, 
Hubert Davis was playing such a tight rotation and that gets into a whole other problem that we'll discuss in a bit, in a bit, but um, yeah, I always think of like the, there's an episode of SpongeBob where they're like racing snails and one gets so tired that like the engine blows out and that's in like the show and his eyes falling out and things like that. That's what I think of every time I see Brady Manning getting that tired on the court, which I mean, I feel for him. I do. I feel for a lot of the starters, really, because it's just – it's so many minutes. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Love played all 40 in, in the game against Louisville, and that's – I mean, he's young, but that's still a lot to ask of someone. And uh, it there's no uh, reprieve coming, at least this season. So um, they're, they're going to have to figure it no, out. No, and – and what you said was, was also one concern that I was going to highlight too um, about Caleb Lowe playing all 40. And as a matter of fact, um, you know, Leaky, Manic, um, RJ, and Armando, Armando all played over 32 minutes uh, in that game. Um, it's a little late, I think, in the season, uh, especially as you start bucking up here against tournament play to be having these situations where uh, your players, you know, are gassed and um, you haven't quite, at least doesn't appear to have figured out uh, the rotation. So, you know, it's difficult, especially, you know, where we uh, appear to be at least uh, in the standings and we're not even, you know, for the ACC tournament, we're not even talking about the NCAA tournament. Um, so, yeah, it's still a little, a little concerning. I, I think they can do it, but yeah, it's going to be a little tough. <laughs> Do either of you have thoughts or opinions on why Kerwin Walton isn't playing more? Because, I mean, he only got four minutes in this game, and I guess I just really don't understand why. I know he hasn't been quite as effective offensively as he was maybe last season, but in in a stretch where you're got, it was a quick turnaround from Saturday's game, and I know it was a close game, but... I don't know. It just, it seems like we should be able to, if nothing else, rely on Kerwin for more than four minutes. I think Hubert Davis puts a lot of emphasis on defense. And I think ultimately that's what's keeping him on the bench. Um, I know that, like you said, he hasn't been as good of an offensive player this year, but at the same time, he's had some really good offensive moments, but the defensive side of the ball is definitely where he suffers the most. And I think, I think it all goes back to what Hubert Davis was kind of saying at the beginning of the season when he was saying that, you know, whoever the best defensive players are, they're the ones that are going to be in the starting lineup. And I think somehow that trickled down to how he's utilizing the bench, which I think in some ways that's fine, but in other ways you're shooting yourself in the foot because you, you don't have the personnel to really do that. And so while it seems like he probably thinks he's doing a bit more good than bad doing that, but I, think it's the other way around yeah no I agree um 
And I would say for sure there is more detriment to the team uh, with that mindset than anything for a couple of reasons, right? So the the first one with talking about the rotation, you know, with the starters playing as many minutes as they are um, heading this late into the season. Um, you know, and then the second one was it's something that I harp on a lot um, online is I definitely understand putting the onus on defense, but what is defense without being able to score on the other end? Right. And honestly, we've seen some of these guys' defense suffer because they look exhausted. And it's really difficult to play at your highest and best level if your arms are gone or your legs are gone. And I, I don't. I don't really understand why we haven't turned a little more to the Dontrez styles and Kerwin Waltons to alleviate at least a little bit of that. I, I don't think either of them has done anything so egregious that they couldn't at least keep Caleb from playing the entire game or Baycott from playing nearly the entire game. But I mean, I'm not the head coach. So what, what do I know? Yeah, I think these are some early lessons for our first-year head coach, which he has a right to them. No coach is going to be perfect in their first year, but my hope is that this season ultimately is a learning lesson in that department because you just cannot. I've seen Duke do it too many times where they play these seven-man rotations, and then they get to the tournament, and they just completely flame out. Yeah. The last note on Louisville, uh, before we move on, I have been banging the leaky black drum for longer than was probably warranted, Um, and I took a fair amount of heat online for that, (laughs) and I just want to say (laughs) that I have won (laughs) it took a while (laughs) but i hope everyone realizes now that i was just seeing into the future when i would defend him to my death because he has been incredibly important to this team and you know i don't know what leaky black's plans are for the future he obviously could return for another year if he wanted to because of the quirks of covid years and and all of that but he has played a very, very important role on the team this year defensively. And he has gotten a lot better offensively as well, but they would sorely, sorely miss him on the defensive end um, if he were not here. So I just, you know, want to put my uh, leaky black appreciation (laughs) back out into the universe because I just feel like I was ahead of the game and I'm I'm ready to tell people that I told you so. <laughs> yeah, and uh, adding one to that, even I, I'm, so I've never been um, a leaky black hater. If that you know, if if that's even what you want to call them, because I recognize um, from a defensive standpoint, you know, at times he is the best defender on the team, right? And then he also brings that um, veteran leadership that you know that we need too. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out, 
Um, just let Leaky shoot all the threes. <laughs> Everybody was like, <laughs> who, who would have saw this coming kind of thing? So, yeah, uh, I, I probably need to get with you after this so we can talk about some lottery numbers, but yes. uh, kudos for that. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think my thing was always that he did a lot of things that didn't necessarily show up in the box score. And uh, I know that that's sometimes like lazy analysis, but I feel like in his case, it was true. Like he wasn't going to be the guy that you could rely on for double digit scoring every game, but he did a lot for the team. And the fact that he has grown into this super lockdown defender. I mean, when you can put a guy with that size on someone who is also that able to capably guard whoever, basically. Um, I'm not going to say that he's Theo because that is the very lazy comparison. And obviously Theo was able to score more. Um, But in the sense of like, you know, you can throw Leaky at probably the opponent's best offensive threat. And he's going to at least contain them. And except except for like two minutes into the Duke game. Yeah, yeah. well that we just <laughs> he's been good the rest of the time. So yeah. um, <laughs> we will sit here in our very growing bandwagon of leaky fans and just know that Julius and I were the ones who put that wagon together from the ground up. We screwed the wheels on. We we did it all. So where was I? I, I, I don't know where build, you were. I helped build the I'm wagon. Kind of missing on that one, man. I, I I don't remember you being there. I see. <laughs> but see, you we, were cheering us. Yeah. You were cheering us on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We we put our like hard work into it, <laughs> and you were just like, "Yeah, guys, good job." I did want to readdress that whole Theo point though, because the one thing that. I think people have kind of fallen off that ideology and like, I didn't really think that he was going to beat Theo, but I do think that there are things that Theo did that very much apply to Leakey. And what it boils down to is like, people wanted the flashy parts of Theo to be Leakey. That wasn't him. What he does is all the little things that Theo also did. Like, Theo could guard just about anybody. Theo was basically a pseudo point guard and that type of thing. I think that he actually has become more of that than we've paid attention to. Um, But at the same time, I do think that he is enough of his own player where it's just like, I'm not going to sit here and beat my chest and say like, he turned into Theo, he turned into Theo. But like, I do think he adopted a lot of, Theo's really great qualities as a player. Yeah, I agree. I would I would just quibble with the fact that I don't think it goes unnoticed. I think I think we have known. It's just that other we have people known. are yeah. learning. I, I'm more telling the other people that that just the people who were in it, my mentions yeah. two years ago, like you don't say anything nice about Leaky Black. <laughs> you will miss him when he's gone, is all I'm saying. So I don't I'm just Honestly, there are a few, and they're dedicated. I'll give them that. But they are. Um, I just, I just ignore what they're saying. I'm just, you know, no, just stop. <laughs> I guess everyone needs a punching bag, but I'm just saying that it, it, it does not look nearly as justifiable as y'all thought it did. 
two years ago. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of people that got big wins over Louisville, the women's team got an even bigger win over Louisville because yeah. uh, their women's team is what was ranked third in the country. And I don't think anybody can really say enough about the job that Courtney Banghart has done as the coach of the women's team in what is now her third season in Chapel Hill. Um, But the girls are in really good shape. Um, I know they have another big game uh, coming up here this weekend. Is that, is that right? That might not be right. Yeah, they have they have two left. the The big game should be Duke, and that's next week. <laughs> okay, they still have a big game against Duke coming up next week, but um, they beat obviously Louisville on Thursday, and then also um, really, really dismantled Florida State on Sunday. So um, next up, they have. They have Virginia tomorrow night and then um, Duke on Sunday to finish out their regular season. Julius, where do you see the women going sort of in the ACC tournament and and NCAA tournament? Do you think think they have a decent chance? I do. Um, I kind of, uh, not to be too overzealous uh, with it, but I kind of imagine like a revenge tour kind of thing for them in the ACC tournament. Uh, because similar, uh, and here's something we should we could probably note: uh, we may very well end up with the men's and women's team both being five seeds in the, the ACC tournament, right? Um, it, the women's team they are five seed now. Just don't see a lot of stuff would have to happen for them to advance into that top four. Um, I think they, I think they got a pretty good chance. I don't think you necessarily want to play them outside of um, NC State. Um, but I, I like what they're doing, you know, and like you just mentioned about the the big win that they got plus the gutsy one, um, March Madness named them the team of the week. Um, so major kudos to, to Coach Banghart and um, Deja Kelly, who is my spirit animal. Uh, she can do it all. And then, you know. In nails uh, and eyelashes, which like, I'm sorry, that is never not going to be extremely impressive. Like <laughs> she will get out there. And grind you into a pulp with the longest nails that you've ever seen on a basketball player. And, and you just, you have to respect that in, in basically all ways. She is, she's amazing. Yeah. And uh, well, and one quick note uh, on her, I saw, I think it, there was a game, there was a feature on her before one of their games, either last week or the week before last. And she was kind of talking about why she chose Carolina uh, to come, and she said that she chose Carolina because she wanted to make Carolina a top twenty-five uh, program. And obviously, they have succeeded. Um, you know, their 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 potential is not limited. They can do whatever they they want to, especially with some of the other um, recruits that they're, they're grabbing. And um, it's just very fortunate to both get Coach Banghart and have her um, convince Deja Kelly to come to Carolina. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love nothing more than to get revenge against State. That game was extremely disappointing. Um, So getting another crack at it and hopefully uh, switching how the result ends up would be good. And Banghart has been really good against NC State since she's gotten to Carolina. So now would be a, a really good time to continue that, I think. 
if, yeah. if they meet in in the ACC tournament, um, which you know, hopefully, hopefully they do because it means um, Carolina's probably gotten pretty far. Well, the guys are, I mean, coming full circle. They have their next game against NC State on Saturday in Raleigh. Um, obviously, the last time these two teams met. Uh, Carolina played extremely well, shot the lights out, just absolutely drubbed them from beyond the arc. Um, what do you guys think this Saturday holds? Um, is it a repeat performance or uh, has NC State given you any reason to believe that they can do better than they did in Chapel Hill? I don't know. I don't know what to expect of this game. <laughs> um <laughs> Because and there's a few reason for re, a few reasons for that. So their best player, Tur- Turquavian Smith, is that how you say it? Turquavion. Um, he had 34 points in that game, and I don't really know that you can play better than that. But the rest of the team, with the exception of Helms, struggled. Um, yeah, it was basically like a two man effort for them right the the one thing that makes me nervous from carolina's perspective is i don't know what to expect from road games anymore it it's been very inconsistent they've for the most part been decent you know really good at home with the exception of the games against duke and Pitt. that's a big exception those are two big exceptions but we've just seen them look a lot worse on the road. Um, it's gotten better lately, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in Raleigh, especially with that crowd in PNC, because you know they're going to be ready for this one. And UNC, they just can't get rattled. They have to take this as a prep situation for when they have to go to Cameron for Coach K's last game which is already a bad situation. So I, I don't know. Um, Julius, what are you expecting? Because like I said, I have no idea. Um, about you know, what you just said right there, that, I think you covered it all pretty well. Um, UNC does have road struggles. like And like you said, it has improved or at least stabilized somewhat. However, it's Raleigh, PNC Arena. We're going in there. Is is you know the atmosphere is going to be crazy. Uh, we also know that uh, at times, at least, this team has had a has 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 gotten rattled. Started off not very well and not been able to recover from it. And you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, we weren't in the PNC, and they very well may. Now that I said that they couldn't, uh, and prove me wrong, I'd love I'd love to be wrong. Um, but yeah, I would not expect. Um, the same output that we had at the, at the Smith Center, and if you and remember that, remember now that final score ended up being one hundred to eighty. That was a twenty point end result, right? Um, and at one point it was what seventy thirty seven or something like you know. So they, you know, NC State was coming on there towards the end, um, you know. So I expect a dogfight, um, and I, I hope that I hope they're ready for a fight, and I hope they're ready to to get the win. I think my biggest fear with this game is just that we've heard so many times from the players themselves this season that they don't always take opponents as seriously as they should. 
And right now they are in must-win territory. Like they cannot lose this game if they want to make the NCAA tournament. They're squarely on the bubble and are just sort of trying to squeak across the finish line as it is. And they just, they can't, they can't afford to lose this game. So you, you would hope that the fire, the uh, sense of urgency would be there, but also you would have hoped that it would be there when they played Duke at home and it didn't seem to be, or when they played Pitt at home and it really didn't seem to be. So I just hope that, you know, we don't have to hear that familiar refrain again, because I know they're probably sick of saying it. We're all sick of hearing it uh, as an excuse for these sort of like head scratching losses, but it would definitely sting more for that to happen against NC state, which is absolutely a team that you have to be if you, if you have any ideation of playing past the ACC tournament. Yeah. And the one thing I will say is that NC state does not pack much of a punch because really with Duke and Pitt, I think that the, both of those games fell in line with a lot of UNC's losses this season where they would get punched in the mouth so hard that they just would not get up off the mat. And with NC State, I at least feel like they can deliver a punch, but it would be more like Jake Paul punching you than Mike Tyson. Pitt should not have punched you at all. You they should, should not have allowed them to punch you. <laughs> True. So true, but the only thing that I would be um, a little concerned with is number one, NC State knows our position, right? They know uh, they know our position, and they also know theirs. With this potentially yeah. being Keats's last or whatever is going to happen there, um, so you know, <laughs> I hope they never fire that man. So theoretically, you know, you're playing for your team. You got Carolina coming in here, knowing that they're on the bubble, knowing that a win over them would make them look really bad. You, you know, just like in football, you you know, you kind of want to spoil that party, right? Um, and so those combined with not so much of a uh, Mike Tyson punch, but even just a Jake Paul punch where UNC gets a little out of sorts and they're not finishing, which they do, right? Uh, initially, these scoring droughts, you know, like a 12-4 or a 15-4, we may have a problem at least, um, you know, until the end, and you just can't leave that up to, to chance. So like Tanya was mentioning, uh, I hope the, the buy-in has got to be there. We're at the end of the season, Thought it would have been there for um, for Duke at home, especially Pitt. But yeah, it's it's time to it's time to go. You you got to be there. Yeah, yeah. They would absolutely love to spoil any party that we would even dream of having. So um, you know you're going to get their best, and and that's one of the reasons why you know th- these games shouldn't sneak up on you anymore. Um, I think that excuse here's is a bit tired. Here's here's a quick a quick question for you. Would you give up a Carolina win on Saturday if it meant that Kevin Keats returned for another year? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, that is a, a nearly impossible question because I would like to appoint Keats NC State basketball coach for life and, and just have them continue to pay him for the rest of time. But I can't in good faith accept an NC State loss in my heart. 
I think I would just take my chances with whoever the next person they believe in who will be ultimately disappointing will be. (laughs) Because they'll find someone else and he'll also probably be bad. Yeah, I was going to say, as far as I know, there's Mm -hmm. not going to be any good candidates out there. So I feel like I would just roll the dice. Yeah. Uh, Who's taking that NC State job? (laughs) like that you are afraid of i don't know maybe they can go back and get uh sydney low again (laughs) oh man dig digging that grave up one more time um (laughs) i mean hey they offered the head coaching position to rory williams twice now so i mean anything's possible here stunning that he uh did not accept such an offer yeah i think he was he was given a press conference once and he said he, he was laughing because he said, I don't even know why they called me. I don't even know why they <laughs> I'm <thinking laughs> my number. <laughs> very weird. I thought I blocked them. <laughs> but yeah, it, it should be quite a game. Um, I hope that they come out with that sense of urgency that they haven't always had because that is going to be a very rough environment, but there's so much on the line. Um, and you know, this could be this could be um, basically playing in or out of the tournament. So um, definitely hope yeah. that the the leadership that we do have uh, has them ready. And where are you guys at on this, too? By the way, so so we go to Raleigh and the unthinkable happens, and we actually lose. Uh, where where are you as far as the the tournament? Um, because for me personally, if we go to Raleigh and we we, we lose, I think we deserve to be out. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I think they deserve to be out at that point, and and almost certainly will be unless they pull off some astonishing miracle uh, in the ACC tournament. That I I don't think we've seen anything that makes us feel like they're capable of that. Um, I mean, prove me wrong, guys. Pro- prove me wrong. But um, I mean, they're calling March Madness for a reason. Mm-hmm. But also, they've just um, there's been a consistent annoying pattern of like high high. That's a big series and, and, madness. <laughs> <laughs> um, like they've gone on really high highs and followed it up with just like absolute clunkers. Um, and yeah. I feel like uh, the Virginia Tech win was good. Um, the Louisville win was good, but that kind of has me bracing myself for the disappointment that has come after all of the good this season. So like I said, I, I would love to be wrong. Um, I, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to lose Saturday, but if they do, um, I, I think that they should not be, <laughs> there inevitably will be, um, more deserving teams to give it to. And I, I hate to say that, but I feel like it's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't I don't think they're going to lose either. Uh, if, if they did, I would – someone would need to do a welfare check on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that kind of goes for the Syracuse game too. They absolutely cannot afford to lose that one either. Because if I remember right, they're sub-500 too, aren't they? You know, they are two games above 500. Um, but still, I refuse to lose to the three Bayheims personally. That's how I was, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, 
like the three Bayhams are getting in that the uh, Plumley territory. Like, how many of you? Why don't you leave? <laughs> why are you like? I'm pretty sure he's just inventing children at this point. Like, <laughs> there's no way that you just have that many and they're all here at the same time. Also, also your dad was supposed to retire by now. What's going on with this situation? <laughs> right. And why are y'all all good at basketball? Like, I, I, I at least there's sometimes there's the kid that's good at basketball. And then there's the kid that's good at like baseball or football. And in this case, much like the Plumleys, it's just like, Oh, you all just pick basketball and you're all just that good that you're all D one players for the same team. Gotcha. Okay. But that same team is, is also their it's father's like the, team. Right. So true. There's that. It's like the, it's like the ball family of uh, college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I just I, I cannot sustain losing to um, to that trio, so I will not allow it to happen. If if I can help it, uh, whatever I have to do to manifest that is um, what I have to do. <laughs> but I would say this has been a pretty successful first podcast back after a very long hiatus. Um, we absolutely plan for it to not be almost two years before you hear from us again um and you can hold us to that uh feel free to uh start harassing us somewhere on the internet if if it's been too long um but yeah we will almost certainly be back to talk to you guys after the next game or two and uh brandon where can the people find you on the twitter machine you can find me at THB Brandon. Julius, thank you for joining us. It was a great time. Uh, you can tell the people where they can find you if they somehow have avoided your tweets to this point. I feel like if they're avoiding my tweets to this point, they're doing it on purpose. Um, <laughs> it's hard to miss. But, uh, there, there are some of those, but um, you can find me at, um, at UNC underscore Tar Hill fan. Um, and this has been a pleasure. I've had a great time. Thanks for inviting me and uh, inviting me on as a co-host. Absolutely. And we are already looking forward to next time. I am at Tanya Anderson with two underscores in the middle because my new name is much more common than my last. Um, <laughs> until next time, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels.